0: Want to begin our praise service this evening with number 156 Christ the Lord is risen today, and let's stand, please, as we worship our God. You may be seated. That was good singing and a good start to our praise service tonight. Let's ask the Lord's blessing, please. We'll still ourselves before Him now in prayer. Loving Father, what joy is in our hearts tonight as we have been given the grace once more to gather in the place of prayer and praise. And Lord, we know that The reason we are here this evening is not because of anything we have done, nor any goodness in us, for there is none, but it is all based upon our risen Lord Jesus Christ. And we exalt Him tonight, Father, and we know that as we honor our Savior, that Your holy name is magnified and lifted up and honored. And so, Father, we glorify tonight, giving thanks for every mercy, every kindness, everything we have received so freely from Your loving hands. We can say, as the psalmist did, that Thy loving kindness is better than life. And I pray that the Word would be written on everyone's heart tonight that there would be rejoicing and thanksgiving and that each one gathered in person here would receive the blessing of fellowship one with another, of the joy of lifting our voices in song and praise. Lord, as we enjoy each other's company, praying also for each one who is joining us online this night, whether from near, around us, or from a distance away, whatever the case is, Lord, write thy word upon every heart. Hear our prayer. Receive our thanksgiving. And, Father, we pray for those in our own fellowship who are sick, who are set aside. Lord, some have long-term problems, and we commit each one of them into your kind hand. And for those who have been sick more recently, bless them, draw near, raise them again, we ask. Remember our brother John Bodner and ask for your Spirit's blessing and your kind hand upon him, Lord, and raise him also to health and strength once more. So, Lord, bless all of the activities, all the ministries going on in our fellowship. We pray, Lord, that as we plan and look ahead and try to put in place those ministries and events and meetings that will be for the encouragement of your people and for the forward movement of the gospel of the Church of Christ— Lord, use us, we pray. Thankful for the meetings this weekend in Port Hope. Bless Brother Golliher as he is ministering the Word now tonight. Encourage him, we pray. Thankful for our Brother Conroy and his wife and family and, Lord, all of the brothers and sisters in Christ who use this building over the weekend. Lord, encourage each one of them. Bless the Word as it went out. May the seed be firmly planted in every heart. And may there be signs following the preaching of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, hear our prayers tonight. We, we think of the needs across our own nation of Canada. There are many. Lord, we are in need of a great reviving of Your church we are in need of help in our government. Lord, we need a lot of help in our government. We pray that You would rebuke the pride and arrogance of our leaders and humble them, Lord, to the point whereby they would call out to Christ for salvation and that our land would be spared from time-serving politicians. Lord, we pray against the aggression that's going on in our world, specifically against the Ukraine. Dear God, help your people. Bless ministers and missionaries and every Christian. Let them be a testimony and a witness in this hard time. Lord, surround them with your protection. Keep them. And, oh God, we pray in the devastation of war, that your name would be lifted up. We think of Christians in China, in Afghanistan, Myanmar, various parts of India and Iran, Iraq, North Korea, wherever there is persecution going on, Nepal, Lord, help and prosper, and may, as people come to trust in the Savior, they will know they will know the joy of Christ abiding within their hearts. They will know their lives being a reflection of the beauty of Him whose image they have taken upon themselves. Remember, Lord, all our missionaries, we think of the work in Liberia tonight. Bless Joanne Greer. Bless Dave Decanio. Help them. Remember the Schultzes in the Czech Republic. Father, support and strengthen and encourage them in the work they're engaged in. And all our other mission works, help each one of them. So, Lord, be with us now tonight. Encourage our hearts and strengthen us. for We pray all these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Let's join again in our song and worship, please, singing Psalm 40. And we will stand to sing. ask you now, please, to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. We're going to read the first 22 verses here, and you may keep this portion open. We will be turning to it also after we sing the following hymn. But first of all, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 down to 22. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also Are ye saved, if ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain? For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach. And so ye believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead... How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and ye are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God, that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, Even so, in Christ shall all be made alive. This must be, and I believe is, one of the mountain peaks of the New Testament, and certainly of all Scripture, as 1 Corinthians 15 is known as the chapter of resurrection, well, we can see very clearly why it is called that. And as the chapter continues, and we'll be reading some further verses in just a moment, but it becomes evidently clear that the Apostle Paul is arguing that this mortal man must put on immortality because Christ has risen from the dead and we are alive in Him because He is alive As John 14, 19 tells us, we thought of that this morning. Jesus says, because I live, ye shall live also. And that is our great hope. In fact, it is the only hope that we have for all eternity. It's the only hope for all humanity. There is no hope outside of Him. Believer, rejoice in this great truth tonight. Because in light of all that's going on in the world today and in light of all that's going on in your life right now, it pales into insignificance in the light of the resurrection of Christ from the dead and that He is our living, reigning, and soon-coming King. And that gives us hope tonight, and it gives us a sense of categorizing all of the issues that we have to face because none of them, they're not worth placing on the scale. The Apostle said, for our light affliction is but for a moment and it works for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This is the hope we have and that's why we are able to rejoice tonight and have a time of praise As we are having. We're going to sing another hymn now. Look, ye saints, the sight is glorious. Number 163. And let's stand again as we sing. haven't been doing too bad the singing is good but let's lift it up on this final verse it says hark those bursts of acclamation hark those loud triumphant chords jesus takes the highest station oh what joy the sight affords and if we know him and we love him and i know you do in your hearts tonight then we have every cause to lift our hearts to him now let's sing this final verse Ha huh? You are singing like angels tonight. I was just about to say, You are singing like the brethren tonight. Maybe they were singing well over the weekend too. But as we get to glory, Yeah, I heard an amen there. That's good. When we get to heaven, Well, we will sing as the angels in glory unto our Savior. And there will be great rejoicing at that time. Now we're turning again to 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to read some other verses. And as you're turning up there and opening your Bibles... I meant to mention also that uh, we just got these books in of Dr. Alan Cairns. Of course, he passed away about a year ago. Reverend Stanley Barnes compiled from his ministry, uh, his notes, sermon notes, and so on, a daily reading book uh, through uh, these uh, writings of Dr. Cairns. So I would encourage you, if you want, they're very expensive, the books. They're good hardback books, but the shipping and the cost, it's a $40 Canadian. And uh, the proceeds that come to us from the printing of the book go to Romania and to the mission work that are in Romania in their totality. So I uh, encourage you to get them now. We only have two of these books left. We had about 15 this morning, and they went. So we have two. So if you want to see Mr. Lewis, Mar Lewis, he will uh, help you and relieve you of that $40 after tonight. Or if not, you can put your name down on the list And uh, by the way, Maher, I'll give you this book as well, because that's one of the ones that are remaining. And uh, if you would like to get your name on a list, well, you can tell Brother Maher, and he'll also make a list of that. And if you want to get one, we'll order some more of them uh, later on. We're reading at verse 41 of 1 Corinthians 15. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, The first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As is the earthy, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed." is not in vain in the Lord. May God write His truth, and may the Spirit of God apply this truth to all our hearts, encouraging us, motivating us to go forward in the service of the Master, and that we have no reason to be cast down or discouraged, but rather our eyes are fastened upon Him, And whether we sleep in death, or whether Christ comes and we are alive to go up to meet Him in the air, one way or another, Paul says, we shall all be changed. We shall all be transformed. We are members of the body of Christ. This mortal body must put on immortality. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It has to happen, because God says it will happen. And we can tonight rejoice and be praising Him for this great and marvelous truth that we have. Now, we have some young people that are going to uh, play for us tonight that well-known song, Amazing Grace. It's number 247 in your hymnal. If you want to turn there, the words will be on the screen for you to follow along. And uh, when they... Play a few verses through, then the congregation will be singing verses one and six, and those words will be behind me. But we're very thankful these young people come along and they're going to play for us at this time. Thank them for playing along now. Let's sing together that verses 1 and 6, and they're going to accompany us as well as we sing. Thank you very much, Daniel and Ruth Santos, uh, playing for us. And uh, we really appreciate uh, Sam McAnally playing. We want to remember uh, Haley in your prayers tonight. She was supposed to accompany this group tonight, but Haley is uh, sick and at home. And so we think about you, Haley, if you're listening on tonight, and uh, pray for you and the others. But thank you, young people, for ministering to us uh, tonight in the Word of the Lord. Let me ask you please to turn now in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans chapter 8. We're going to read from another mountain peak in the Word of God and starting at verse 28 to the end of this chapter. May the Lord bless His Word and write it upon our hearts now. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Join with me, please, for a word of prayer. Our Father, we give thanks for our service so far tonight and for the joy in our hearts to sing the praises of Thy great and holy name. And I pray now that we will be settled and still... And the Spirit of God would give me help as I share a few thoughts from this Scripture. And Lord, as people hear that every one of your children would have the Word written on the heart, and it might please Thee, Father to save any who are unsaved tonight. Hear us now, And bless us, for we ask in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. I want to draw your attention, please, to one line primarily found in verse 34. And it's the opening line, which is a question. Who is he that condemneth? Who is he that condemneth? This morning, we sang Charles Wesley's hymn titled, And Can It Be? The last verse fits well in this text tonight. It says, No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. Alive in him, my living head, and clothed in righteousness divine, bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. God's servant who wrote that hymn several hundred years ago was a man of God whose eye was upon the Savior and who was in touch with the spirit and sentiment of God's holy truth. And he could write these great words because they were based upon the Scripture. And we have read tonight here in Romans chapter 8, we have great words of confidence. So much so that we could say tonight that we are bold in the confidence that we have a righteous standing before God this very evening. And there is no power on earth, under the earth, or even in the heavens. There is no power that is able to keep us away. That's why Wesley said, Bold I approach the eternal throne. Because the boldness that we have to come before God is not something that we draw from within ourselves. It's not some authority that we will take apart from that which is given to us by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 8 starts with the amazing words of encouragement and certainty. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. And the apostle was building on the theme of what he had been talking about throughout the earlier chapters of the book of Romans, deeply theological, based upon the work that Christ had done, based upon the standing that you and I are guaranteed, because Our sin was laid upon Him. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And as He progresses through that great study and work of the epistle to the Romans, He comes to this hinge point in chapter 8, and it declares for us so cleanly so powerfully, with such certainty, that we tonight in Christ are no longer under condemnation. We have been delivered. And then, after Paul, so adequately, of course, by the Spirit's power, but Paul in the genius and the intellect and the ability God had given to him, Paul states the legal case that though we are guilty, hell-deserving sinners, we have been absolved. We have been cleared. And he issues a challenge, and the challenge goes far and wide. Actually, the challenge is not just on earth. The challenge goes into the heavens. It goes down to the depths of hell. And he said, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Then the question comes, Who is he that condemns? And I want us to think about that question tonight for a few moments. Because there may be many cranky voices that come against us as God's people. The devil is never far away with his words of accusation against us. And yet, my friend, his purpose to destabilize your faith His intention is to take away your joy, take away your peace. Because if he gets a believer to continually looking in and looking down, then we're not looking outward and upward to Christ. We're not serving the Lord with joy and peace. We're looking at ourselves. And the Lord would have us tonight through His Word to think about this question, who is he that condemneth? The first thought I leave with you is this. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. And I will put up my hand and say, yes, I am guilty. Lord, I have broken Your law. I have offended in more ways than I can number. I have broken every one of the commandments of God. I am a guilty sinner that deserves hell. I am guilty as charged because there is within me the knowledge of the heritage of a depraved, sinful heart. And I say the word heritage because depravity goes back to the beginning of time when Adam and Eve sinned against the Lord and they broke His command, and they grieved the Spirit of God and fell into sin, and they realized themselves as uncovered before a holy God. And indeed, their sin that they did exposed their nakedness. They no longer had the covering of righteousness. They were no longer holy. And that depravity that came upon all mankind is part of my heritage tonight. I have to own it. But it gets worse, actually, because I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. And, friend, that's where each person, every man, woman, child tonight, and you know that as you've been a believer for a number of years, many of you, you know your own sinful heart. You know and realize that you are guilty before God, as charged, by the way, because you were born in sin. But in our life, it wasn't just that we were born in sin because a young child, a young baby, does not show the evidence of that. There is innocency there. They have not committed any actual sins yet. And so in that sense, they are innocent in an outward sense. But the curse of sin and the heritage of depravity and the fact of them being born in sin will eventually rise to the surface as they themselves will lie and steal and they will break every law of God. And so, it will be the continuation of a rebellious spirit before a holy God And we must say guilty is charged for we deserve the due penalty of our sin, the wages of our sin. We deserve death. We deserve separation in hell forevermore. And so when we think about these things in our own heart, friend, if you're not a Christian here or listening online tonight, the reality is this, that you must come face to face with your own sinful nature and heart. And you must realize that you have broken every command of God and that you deserve the judgment of God for your sin. You are guilty as charged. But I want to tell you the glorious news that this text speaks about tonight. For Christ took up our case. Jesus Christ is our great attorney. He is our great mediator. He is our great substitute. And he is our great benefactor. When we think of our Lord Jesus as our attorney, he has come to argue our case before the judgment bar of heaven. And here we are, someone who is guilty of our own sin and crime, and yet the Lord Jesus Christ has taken up our case. It was a miserable case. It was a pathetic case. It was a case that had no hope. But Jesus came to take up your case, friend. As he came to take mine. And he not only was our attorney, but he became our mediator, the go-between, the mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is the one who came to appear before God on our account, the one who took up our challenge, our case, and to step between the judgment that was due for us. And He was the one who held off and took the wrath of God on our account. Yes, my dear friend, our Savior is our substitute. And this gets down to the very heart and the core of this text of Scripture. Because when Paul asked in verse 34, Who is he that condemneth? Look at the answer that comes in the following parts of this verse. It is Christ that died. He sets forth the first great argument. There had to be someone to step into my place. There had to be a mediator, a go-between. And the argument that there is no one in heaven or hell that has any right to bring a condemnation against a child of God because Jesus Christ died for me. And if Christ died for me, it means, friends, that there was a great price to be paid that I could not pay myself. If there had been any other way for my redemption, if there had been any other means for whereby I could get to heaven, do you think God the Father would have sent His only begotten Son into a world to die for no reason, if there could have been another way. There was no other way. And that's why there's no right for anyone to bring a condemnation, a judgment against a Christian, because Christ Jesus has died. And if He died, He paid the ultimate sacrifice that appeased the judgment that was due for me entirely. He paid it. As a matter of fact, friend, if there was one sin that you or I had to atone for in order to get into heaven, if Christ did 99.999% of the job and all you had to do was 0.001%, you would never be in heaven. no. That's why this verse is so powerful. That's why it is so great. That's why it can fill our hearts with such thanksgiving. Because there is no account to be brought against us anymore. Because Jesus Christ has paid the debt completely. And in the sacrifice of the Lord, and in the debt that He paid, His atoning work, His merit, the value of it, it exceeds all that was required. It goes far beyond all that was required because He is the sinless, harmless, spotless Lamb of God. And He paid, dear brother and sister tonight, He paid the entire debt for us that we could never have paid. but the argumentation here it doesn't stop there because paul goes on to say not only did christ die for me yea rather is risen again if christ did not rise from the dead paul argued then, quite frankly, we are still in our sins. Now, let's get a hold of this for a moment. This in no way minimizes the value of the work of Jesus on the cross. This in no way sets aside that the work was somewhat incomplete, and therefore it needed something more. No, when Jesus said the words, it is finished, he meant that there was no more to pay for the atonement of my soul. There was no more to pay to bring every last one of His own elect into His Father's house. All was sufficiently satisfied. But Jesus died. And in His death, it was a real death. It wasn't some sort of swooning. It wasn't an unconscious state. Jesus Christ died, and He was in the tomb for three days and three nights. But He rose again from the grave, and that was the word from our Father that His atoning sacrifice had been fully, completely, and totally accepted And there was nothing more that had to be done. Jesus is alive today and He lives by the power of an endless life. And He raised Himself from the dead. And the Father is said to have raised Christ from the dead and the Spirit because God was engaged entirely in the work of the resurrection. Father Son, and Spirit. And He is risen today for our justification. And it means that God the Father has declared it. It is a completed, finished, accepted transaction. And so my attorney, who is also my mediator, who is also my substitute, who is also my benefactor, All of this has been fulfilled in my Savior. And He is at the right hand of His Heavenly Father in heaven. And we are told that He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. It, of course, is a picture for us, it's an emblem of the work that Jesus did that was completed. And it certainly has to be seen when you compare it to the Old Testament priest where there was no sitting place for them in all the temple or tabernacle area. And the reason behind that is that the priest's work was never done. He he had no right to sit down. He was always active about the sacrificial work that he was doing. And so the type, the typology of the Old Testament high priest, looking forward to the New Testament great high priest of our Savior, when His work is finished, there was nothing more to be done. And so that's why it said, and we're told, He is seated at the throne in glory. And what's He doing as He is seated in heaven in that way and manner and expression that we have? Our great benefactor What is He doing? He is interceding for us. Sometimes people get a little confused about that, about Christ's state of intercession now, thinking that uh, He is mainly just pleading with the Father to answer certain prayers that He has on our behalf. But my dear friends, the greater import of the intercessory work of Jesus is this, that He is constantly and eternally presenting the work of Calvary before His Father's throne in heaven. And all of the virtue and the merit and the value of His atonement is being continually presented at the throne of grace on your account and on mine. He is ever living, or He is living forever to intercede for us. And that's our standing tonight, and that's our position, and that's the hope that we have. Yes, we're guilty as charged, but my Savior took up my case. He took up yours tonight, And the final thought I leave with you is that this truth will silence every accusing voice. It will silence every accusing voice. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren of the saints of every Christian truly born again of the Spirit of God, the picture and the drama that unfolded as Satan appeared before God in the days of Job to accuse Job before God. And so that image or that picture is being repeated continually throughout all of human history. And so Satan is continually in the business of pointing a finger a bony finger at the child of God, the devil comes to accuse us. And you know the sad reality, friend, is that very often the truth is that when Satan brings an accusation against us, historically it is true. Because he is able to raise up some sin that we have committed before some evil thought, some wicked deed. Yes, He brings up those charges against us. But it's an echoey, distant charge that He brings up. And there's no ground to the charge. And the reason why there is no ground to the devil's charge against us, because as the hymn writer, the songwriter put it, What sins are you talking about? God says. I don't remember them anymore. Because God has chosen to forget the sins that we are guilty of and had committed. Christ's blood covered them all. They have been forgiven, and they have been forgotten by our God. They are gone. And so, whatever echoey past that the devil tries to bring against the child of God and said, you've been guilty of this, this, and this. And our memories, they're still active, aren't they? And you can remember the sins you've committed, so can I. But they're no longer the sin that can bring condemnation and judgment to us because they have been paid for completely and entirely. The voice of the devil is silenced against you. Christian, take that to your heart tonight. Don't allow the devil to beat you up. Don't allow Satan to bring a charge of a past sin against you again. For he is a liar and the father of it. And he is the accuser against the Christian. And he will try to accuse us to the point where we are loaded with guilt and we can't dare step out forward to do the service of God because we are weak and we're second-guessing ourselves. And every time we think to step forward in the service of the Lord, the devil's there to point an accusing finger. (laughs) You've heard of what Luther said often as the devil would accuse him of all the sins he had committed. And he would say to the devil, Do you have any more? And the devil would unroll another scroll and, Any more? And when it was at the end, Luther would say, The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth me from all sin. And he would go through that scenario in his mind because he wrestled with this very problem of the accusation of the devil against his past sins. But they are paid for, friend, they're washed away. And the devil's voice is silent. What about the voice of an accusing world, a Christ-hating world today? Because as a Christian, in our walk through life, the devil is always motivating the world that hates Christians and hates Christ to point their fingers at us as well. No matter how many fingers the world will point against Christians. Be encouraged about this, my dear brother and sister, that your Father in heaven does not see any sins against you. It's silence, every accusing voice. Ah, but what about your own conscience? What about your own heart? Because that sometimes is the worst thing the devil's one thing, and sometimes I think the devil gets blamed for stuff he's not guilty of and the, un- uh, the unbelieving world and what they might point against us. But then we deal with our own mind, our own conscience, and those things that seem to be nagging at us. Ah, friend, talk to yourself and bring those matters to the Lord because you are free Those sins have been put under the blood of Christ. They're gone. And we are free. And there is no more sacrifice to be made for sin. Jesus made one sacrifice forever. It will never be repeated, and nothing can be added to it. And so we are free tonight. To all of these voices, God's voice silences them all. Who will come before the throne of God in heaven and lay one charge against my redeemed child? I would not want to be the person making that charge. When the God of heaven said, What are you talking about? There is nothing to bring a charge against my child. They are free. They are pure. They are glorified. My dear friend, I wonder tonight if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, then that cannot be said of you. You tonight are still in your own sin and under the condemnation and judgment of the Lord, but the gospel message is open and free to everyone to come and call and repent and say, dear Lord Jesus Christ, come into my life and save my soul. And as you call on him, he will hear your prayer. He will come, because this is the good news of salvation. This is the glorious gospel word, and our Savior is the only one, the only one that can appeal for you the only one that can make atonement for you. And as you come to Him tonight and you take Him as being your Savior, your mediator, your attorney, you will be a happy person to know that your sins have been put beneath the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, it is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again that is even at the right hand of the Father, ever living, to make intercession, to present His perfect work before our God in heaven. We're going to close our service tonight by singing number 169. I serve a risen Savior. He is in the world today. I know that He is living. Whatever men may say, I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. Just the time I need him, he is always near. Let's stand and sing these verses. Brother Conroy, please close our time tonight in a word of prayer.
1: Dear daughter, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this lovely words that you sing. He lives within my heart. We know He lives because He rose triumphantly uh, from the grave. He's, he's alive. He's a living, glorified Savior See so at the right hand of, of, the, of God on life. We thank the Lord, that we have hope beyond the grave because of Christ. He rose for our justification. Have been hearing tonight, and so someday, Father, uh, we will see Him. uh, We will look upon that beautiful face of the Savior that men have tried to portray throughout history and art and canvas and sculpture. But for the believer, for the saint of God, we'll we'll look upon Him and we'll be like Him and we'll be with Him for all eternity. But in the meantime, Father, we're here today on the Lord's Day evening to. Glorify if I have to lift up our voices with praise and song and an audible prayer and silent prayer to a holy and righteous God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, bless us now as we depart from thee and uh, take us to our homes in safety. We just give thanks for this time this evening, and we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen.